So this story in a lot of ways is about inner conflict. On one hand, you're going to hear about my deep desire to honor the ways and practices of a really beautiful and thriving nonprofit that serves a community that I'm not a member of. So I was very aware of trying not to impart my way of doing things on them. So we've got that butting up against my membership in our risk management, waiver forward, mandatory training every other month community that we're all a part of. So throughout the story, you're going to hear those two warring factions in my brain. So I've been, uh, the, the nonprofit in question is called Kuponda, and which means rise or climb in Swahili. And they're a nonprofit that serves African refugee families in City Heights. So many of these families fled civil war in Congo and ended up in refugee camps in Tanzania before making their way to San Diego. So many of the kids were actually born in these refugee camps. And you're also going to hear about Joseph, who is a co-founder of Kuponda and himself a refugee. So he very much understands the needs and experiences of these families. And because he's a member of their community, they, they trust him. And by extension, they trust Kuponda, where sometimes they're wary of other outside aid organizations. So I've been doing science with the Kuponda kids since 2020, but most of our events have been online because of the pandemic. So summer 2021 rolls around and the world is opening back up. And I was lucky enough to get a grant to put on some summer programming for the kids. So our plan was that we were going to meet twice a week. One day we'd meet in a park in City Heights and we would do science experiments. And the other day we would go on some kind of field trips to somewhere in San Diego that was related to the science that we had done earlier in the week. And in my mind, I was going to run the the science experiments in the park, and Kuponda was going to handle the field trips. But I soon learned that I was gravely mistaken and had, in fact, signed up to be a camp counselor <laughs> for this summer. And my first clue was when Joseph let me know that the kids were not going to be able to get to a central location to pick up a bus to go to the field trips, because we had written money in our, in our grant for, for buses, and that the kids needed to be picked up at their homes. We needed to go door to door to get these kids. Now, Kuponda has a van, but between the van and, and our individual cars, we did not have enough seats for all of the kids. So it became clear the only way forward was for me to rent a giant van every week and go pick some of the kids up. So the first, our first field trip rolls around, and for reasons that I cannot remember but now appreciate were terrible, our first trip was to SeaWorld. <laughs> so the morning of the trip, I go to some off-site airport rental place, and I get my 15-person passenger van, which, by the way, is the largest van that you can rent without a B-class driver's license, and I take my van over to this apartment complex in City Heights where Joseph has all of the kids gathered. So I get there, and there are the kids in matching T-shirts because I had insisted on getting t-shirts for, for field trips. And not that there had been a lot of effort to match the kids with the appropriate sizes, so lots of the little ones were wearing t-shirt dresses, in fact, because they had ended up with adult-sized t-shirts, but they didn't seem to mind, which was good because that was the only nod to organization that we had. We didn't even have clipboards. I was a day camp leader in high school, which was the 90s, and we still had clipboards. There was nothing. 
Joseph had made a list of the kids that were supposed to be coming to this field trip, but the kids have very fluid living situations because a lot of the Kupanda families are related, they're extended families, so the kids might go stay with an aunt for a number of weeks, and if the kids signed up to go on the field trip and the cousin's there and the cousin's not signed up, the cousin comes because it would be mean to leave the cousin. So the, the list of kids that actually showed up was only partially related to the list of kids that Joseph had, had originally compiled, but he knew all the kids and he uh, knew all the families, so that was that, and we piled into our vehicles and got to SeaWorld. And we had planned to get there around 10.30, but of course it's noon by now, so SeaWorld was already packed and we ended up in a parking spot, you know, way off in the corner. We had to walk to the entrance. The kids are running and hitting each other and dashing between cars and I'm grabbing little ones, just as many as I can. And I'm telling myself, these kids survived refugee camps. They can make it through the parking lot of SeaWorld without getting run over. We did, we made it to the entrance and Joseph and um, Jafari, who was the other Kuponda adult there, were ready to just cruise in. And I, and that's when it dawned on me that they had not actually been to SeaWorld before. And I said, no, 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 you can't just walk into SeaWorld as a group of 40. We need to break into smaller groups. We need, you know, the older kids are going to want to ride the roller coasters. The younger kids are going to want to see the animals. So Joseph divides up the, the groups. I've got my phone out and I'm taking pictures of the groups just so we have some kind of record of which chaperones had which kids. And we make a plan to meet in an hour for lunch at the main restaurant. So that rolls around, and our tickets, we had these meal vouchers where each kid got a kid entree, a kid side, and a, and a kid drink. So I tell the kids this, but then I have to go out by the cashier because I've got all the tickets on my phone. So the kids start rolling out with every combination of four sides and no entree, two entrees. One of the girls comes out with a white claw on her tray. <laughs> I grabbed it. She thought it was a soda. Credit to myself, I did not chug it, no matter how badly I wanted to in that moment. The woman that was checking me out, you know, looked at me like she was about to say something. And I think she saw the desperation in my eyes. <laughs> she just let it go. So all the kids got their food and we're sitting there eating. I'm talking with Joseph and Jafari and Joseph says, we have to leave in an hour because Jafari has to go to work. And really without thinking, I said, what? <laughs> These tickets cost over $100 each. We've only been here an hour. We can't leave. We haven't even seen half the park yet. So they looked at each other and said, okay. And that was that. So we made a plan to meet at 4.30 and we were going to head home. So 4.30 comes around and we meet up and there's no Jafari. Joseph, where's Jafari? Well, he went to work. <laughs> okay, well, how are his kids going to get home? Because he had taken four or five kids in his car. Joseph said, well, we can put them in our vans. And again, really without thinking, I said, no, I will not put a kid in my van without a seatbelt. I had made a lot of concessions to that day to what I think are best practices in taking kids out in public. And that was just a line that I was not going to cross. And I said, no. And he looked at me and he said, okay. And he just put all the extra kids in his van. So I got all my kids in my van, buckle up. We get on the five on SeaWorld Drive and then onto the eight east. And if you've ever done that interchange, you know that it puts you in the fast lane. So I got my giant van, 14 kids in the van, and I will not speed. I just won't. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. So I'm trying to get over. No one will let me over because they're mad that I'm going 60 in the fast lane. 
But because I'm going so slow, there's a, there's a big gap between me and the, the car in front of me, which out of nowhere crashes into the median, the cement median, does a couple 360s, screeches to a halt, and, smart, and smoke starts pouring out of the hood. And because I was going so slow, I had time to slow down. Because if I had been following this car at a normal distance, we would have gotten in an accident too. So me and the poor girl that was sitting next to me in front, we, we didn't say a word for the rest of the ride home. We made it home. Everybody got home safely. The rest of the summer, we got a little bit better, but it never got great. We didn't lose any of the kids but uh, on the field trips, but I spent the whole summer just in this constant, you know, nervous wreck state. And I just thought, gosh, I love these kids to death, but I do not know if I can do this again next summer. This is taking years off my life. So fall comes and, you know, school starts for me, starts for them. I don't, I don't see them until um, later in the fall when we have this holiday event planned at the same park in City Heights. So I'm out there getting everything um, set up and, and Joseph rolls up with the giant van. The doors open and way more kids than should be in that van start pouring out and they see me and they just throw their arms open. Laura, where have you been? We missed you. Are we going to go on fun trips again next summer? And I thought, well, of course we are. 